0: to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Exciting times, right? <laughs> this ain't 2020. We're in 2021. Actually, we're getting almost halfway through this year. So you got to get focused on the right things to focus on, right? And if you don't know exciting times, you better start believing for exciting times. Because right now, I'm going to tell you, your day is never going to change until you change it. You might need to hear that again. Your day is never going to change until you change it. You have to determine what you want for your day. You, we, you, most people think that, Our lives and how we live them are tied to other people, but they aren't. Now, can other people have an influence on your day? Yes, only, yes, only if you give it to them. In other words, you are in complete control of how you determine to live your day. So if you're going to live your day sucky, it's because you're thinking sucky. That's the only reason why. So you've got to determine, you know, what, what do you want? Uh, hey, I get it. You want to be overwhelmed by all the negative fake news? Then that's where your life's going to be. You want to be overwhelmed by politics, overwhelmed by the world system, overwhelmed by the weather? I mean, I had to deal with that. I, you know, you think being born and raised here, you'd be able to handle, you know, when it gets hot. I remember as, as a kid, I, I mean, we didn't even believe in shoes. I'd be playing basketball bare feet, bare feet in the middle of summer on, our, on, on the concrete. Now, I know, you know, our feet, you know, had like three inches of, of, of you know, calluses. But, but I, I, honestly, I, I remember doing all that. And, you know, it, it just, I guess, you know, after a while, you're like going, you know, what, the heat does suck. You know, where you're like, I don't know if I really like it like I thought I did. But either way, the point is, is if you focus in on the negative, it's, and I had to make this change, I believe it was two years ago, when I I was confessing this, I'm going, why is June, July, and August take forever, and all my favorite months, October, November, December, it's like, you wake up and they're gone. (laughs) And it's just not fair, it's not fair. And then I realized... You know, June 1st, I'm going, oh, my God, it's terrible. This heat is so terrible. Oh, it never gets dark. It's sunny all night, sunny. I get up in the morning and pray, and it's 100 degrees out. And I say that every single day. Now, no wonder it's taking forever. So my commitment now is I love June, July, and August. I love it more than Christmas. June, July, and August is the greatest months. And, and I hope June, July, and August take like a year to get through. We'll see if that reverse psychology works. If it doesn't, I'm throwing that book away. But anyway, we are excited about the Word this morning. And I believe it will change your life if you choose to allow it to. Because I know for a fact the Word of God works. And it will change your life if you receive it. And my, pur- my place and my purpose in life is to break it down in a way that you can get hold of it. And like we say here at Love Life, it's all about Monday. It's all about Monday. We gather on Sunday, but it's all about Monday. Amen? It's all about Monday. It's all about Monday. Everybody got that? So let's get in the Word and let's get this information Is As you see, it's called Make a Choice. Now, you can't really read it the way I want it Wanted it to be um, spoken or understood. And it's more like, hey, make a choice, will you? There we go. Make a choice. And that's pretty much what we're going to talk about because ultimately it's about compromise. And this is usually a subject that everybody loves to listen about. Not. But it is a subject that we all need to understand. And I'm not talking about the compromise, for instance, you know, in marriage or, or whatever where you compromise with each other to get a, you know, a a neutral position where it's acceptable. I'm not talking about that compromise. Everybody understand that? Some of you married couples are looking at me, what's compromise? (laughs) No, no, pastor, we fight to the finish. You say fight (laughs) to the finish. You know, compromise, that's a good thing, it's okay. Amen, amen, all right. I'm not going into a marriage conference right now. But anyway, compromise is, is to make concessions or accommodations for someone who does not agree with a prevalent set of standards or rules. And what, what we need to understand is compromise in the negative is when you know what to do good, but you choose to do a little of the bad, a little bit about the wrong. And you're making a decision to go in a direction you know you shouldn't be going. And so you're compromising. And so I'm going to show you some scriptures as far as what um, the Bible says. Psalms 119, verse 1 says this, joyful are people of integrity. Joyful are are people of integrity. I'm going to be teaching LLYA. We got some awesome, awesome things we're going to be talking about in the summer camp for the young adults. And uh, it's called Integrity Matters. And I'm going to be talking about some things that I, I, guarantee, I guarantee you. The amount they paid, if I triple it, they'd come and listen to this stuff anyway. Because it is so impacting as far as information that they're going to get. I can't wait for it. But this is a little bit, I believe it will make an impact. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his word and search for him with all their hearts, they do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in His paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Notice it says they don't compromise with evil. They don't compromise with evil. People of integrity aren't going to compromise. I I, I remember um, anybody ever watched Jack Bauer? Remember years ago, Jack Bauer? only four people oh forget it i'm not even talk about it then you don't even know anyway jack bauer was like a human superman and um it's actually an awesome series if you ever look back and you want to find a, a series to watch and you've heard about it or whatever jack bauer is an awesome series but anyway um, it what was it called 24 excuse me anybody ever watched 24 with jack bauer Okay, two more hands went up, okay. 24. Uh, anybody here? I'm going to get more hands going up, all right. But he, he made a, I remember in the very beginning he said, uh, when he was being shown in the person was, he was a man of integrity. And he was turning on people, agents, that were bad. In other words, he, he was not going to compromise but these agents that were bad were compromising, and he turned on them. And, and one of his superiors that he had an issue with asked him, why do you do that? And he says, because if you look once the wrong way, it'll be so much easier to do it twice. And, yeah, you can learn from Jack Bauer. You can learn a lot from Jack Bauer, I'm telling you. But anyway, the point is, is it, it's when you start down the path of compromise, you lose yourself. I don't believe any of us are, are, are brought into this world or raised to be people like that. I, I believe every child is gifted with, with a life that has so much success before it, but older people crowd in front of it. Because I don't believe, uh, I don't care where you're born. I don't care if it's in a, if it's in a dump in Guatemala. A three-year-old can dream to fly. A four-year-old can dream to be whatever they want to be. No matter where they're living, they can dream that. And I believe it's all that way all of the world. I do not believe that if you're born in a, in a position of poverty, you have the inability to imagine. I don't believe that at all. I believe that's false. I believe the truth is every child has the ability to believe they can become anything. Why? See, that's the, some, those are the... Simple, small, common sense questions that we all should be asking ourselves uh, when we're trying to deal with this world and this system of, of unfairness and racial inequality and things like that. Are they out there? Oh, my gosh, ever since the beginning of, this, of, of the earth, I mean, the fall of man in, in, in where Adam and Eve you know, decided to forget God, it's been that way ever since. I mean, of course, we, everybody knows that. And we're not trying to hide that there isn't. But I'm going to tell you right now, to determine that that's the way it is at birth is a thought out lie. You have to be taught to be racial. I said you have to be taught to be racial. You have to be taught to be prejudiced. You have to be taught to be evil. You do. You have to be taught these things. And so we have to look at this in a way that we realize, you know what, I got to start determining who I want to be. Not what YouTube says I am or Instagram or what my face, my real Facebook friends, yeah, right, uh, what they believe. No, you need to determine who you want to be because you have this life that will end at one point and your journey to heaven. And then you're going to stand there, not with your, you know, 30 likes, your 40 Facebook friends, the rest are robots. No, you're going to stand there by yourself. And you want to do it with integrity. You want to do it in a way where during your time here, you did the best you could do with what God had for you. Perfect is not in that sentence, but you made a commitment to do what was right. And that's all you have to do, make that commitment, make that desire to move forward in a right direction. And we get so caught up in, again, because of our lack of value in how we see ourselves, the insecurities we have, we allow other people... To, to determine and even drive our lives. And it, it's got to stop. As a believer, it's got to stop. I want teamwork. I want us to be a team to be successful, but not allow people out there that have no fruit of success in their lives to dictate to my life. Exodus 34, 12, be very, very careful never to compromise where the people in the land where you're going? For if you do, you will soon follow their evil ways. So once you start compromising, there isn't a winning, a a, a winning picture in it. You start compromising. You go down that. Everybody in here, everybody, understands what compromise is. That that job you got, or whatever. The people, the new friends, the the new, you know, the new school, whatever. We just start compromising because why? Because ultimately, it's an issue here. We want people to like us. We want people to, to feel good about us. We, we're, we're too concerned what someone else thinks. And you ought not to be. Only him. Guarantee you, if you want to please him, you'll please a whole lot of people on earth, big time. Pleasing him is not getting super spiritual, by the way. I don't go that way. Pleasing him is being more of a man or woman of character. First and foremost, above all, character. You're a person of your word, not you can pray two hours. You come up to me, you talk about you can pray for two hours but can't keep your word. I don't care if you pray for 20 hours and you only eat sleep for four. You ain't nothing to me. If you can't be a person of integrity, you're not spiritual. As far as what I see in God's word and what I believe, that's a fact. So we need to be people of integrity, amen? Joshua twenty four fourteen. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods with your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river or... Lord. And Joshua says this, but as for me and my house, I'm going to lay it right in front of everybody. We serve God. He says, we will serve the Lord. And that's a proclamation that you need to make in your personal life. You personally need to make that. I serve the Lord. What does that mean? It's not a religious message. It's not a religious statement. It's a life statement. I serve the Lord doesn't mean I'm going to come up to you and talk Christianese. That's not serving the Lord. Listen, we've got so much religion running rampant out there that there's no ability to understand truth. I serve the Lord means I should be able to go out and play basketball and be good and not be like the world but have a great time. I should be able to, you know, work without, you know, people going, oh, there's that Christian, that weirdo. No, people should be wanting to hang out with me because I am a believer. I mean, I know that freaks people out, but wait a minute. You know why it freaks you out? Because you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus, and I'll tell you right now, you don't have the walk of the Lord Jesus Christ from Nazareth. Gotta say that because we got a Jesus all over the place here. But do you see what I'm saying? I I mean, you guys understand. He, he, He didn't change who he was. He stayed constant. He didn't compromise. And what did people want to do? They, the, the religious hated it. They'd say, he, he eats, he hangs out. He, he's always around sinners and tax collectors and, and all these bad people that religion looks at and says, they're terrible, they're evil. And Jesus is reclining and having a good time. Why? Because Jesus didn't change himself. He stayed Jesus. What does that mean, Pastor? That means if, if you're going around a bunch of people that are sinners, you don't conform to them, you stay who you are. You're the salt and the light of the earth. If they want listen, if they want to chug down their Jack Daniels, just don't get in the car when you go home with them and they're driving. But you ain't doing it with them. You're not laughing at their dirty jerk jokes with them. You're not talking trash with them. You're not ripping your wife like they are with them. Why? Because you're staying true to who you really are. Listen, if they don't like it, they won't invite you back. But it doesn't matter. It's not because of you were religious. That's so important to understand. So important. We need to be people that are reachable. And I'm not talking about so we can be reachable to the religious people. I'm talking about people that need our help. I wouldn't be here if there wasn't Chris at the job I worked at. I'm telling you right now, I would not be here. But that Christian lived a life that I'm talking about, and I had the other religious Christian that I didn't want to be anything like him. I don't even remember his name, but I can tell you right now, he tried his way, and it was his way. You don't, you're going to burn in hell. That's his his comments to me. You're gonna burn in hell. If you don't receive Jesus, you're going to hell. You can go to hell right now. And that's how he communicated to me. So I didn't even really care anything about him. It was Chris. He walked this walk, he lived this life. He was he was a person that I looked at and, and thought, what is it that he has? But he never preached, he never pointed fingers. He he went to church. He read his Bible and break, stuff like that. But it was never like I'm better than you or I'm pointing my finger at you or you're whatever. When the guys got around, y'all know what they're trying. I know what I tried to do. I tried to get him laugh at dirty jokes. I wanted to find something wrong with this guy. He was like Jesus Jr. Until I until I got until he impacted my life, used by the Lord to impact my life, and then I got to talked to him normal from that point on. Oh, the stories he would tell about his wife, I would, I would just be in shock of how he really was when he went home. He hated it. He hated me. But he wouldn't give up on me. He'd go home with his wife and complain. That dead, damn, I can't stand him. He just keeps, oh, I want to punch him. And I always thought he was such the nicest guy in the world. He held it in. But he knew he had a destiny to impact my life. I thought, how awesome was that? But you know what, it was also good to hear the other side because it made me realize, you know, a lot of times we're gonna be working and helping and trying to touch people's lives. On the inside, we don't really like. We love them because God does, but we don't wanna hang with you. But the truth is, is we want you changed. And so there are times when Paul says, I become all things to all men. That I might win some, and there sometimes you know you you're just gonna, you know, suck it up for the sake of Jesus, and try to Im- impact the way you can. But here, Joshua lays out says I'm going to serve Jesus. Matthew says I mean uh, Jesus says this in Matthew six twenty four, no one can serve two masters, either they'll hate the one love the other, or to be devoted to one and despise the other, and that's a fact. You can't, it's a double-minded standard in life. You, you have to recognize your, your DNA connected that way. So you're going to serve one or hate the other. And he says, you can't serve God and money. That's what Jesus was talking about in this one. People have an issue with this, and I understand why, because, you know, the world told you you have an issue. Religion told you, you have an issue. But once you, see, when I came to the faith, I didn't have religion. I didn't have any information at all about stuff. So I was like a sponge. You know, if they said we have church five days a week, I would have said, okay. Because I wasn't religious to throw a fit and say, we only have Sunday. Why would we go again? I didn't know you do that. I, I didn't know till later on that, you you know, when you start becoming mature in the faith, is when you start backbiting and gossiping. I didn't know. I thought you were supposed to be honest and love everyone. Ah, screwed me over, huh? Yeah, exactly. And then I got the greatest insight when I went to Bible college. Man, that really helped me. Not. The point is, is there's this process of when you're walking this walk in purity, it's pretty cool. It's when religion starts kicking in. It's when it gets ugly. It's when you start, you know, uh, using the word of God or prophetic words to speak negative against someone. To attack another believer. To be evil toward another brother or sister. I mean, this is ridiculous, but this is the journey that I've seen. It's so ugly. And now I can understand why someone goes, I can't stand church. I go, I can't either. And they're going, you're a pastor. Yeah, you haven't been to my church. <laughs> we don't do things that way. We, we don't play the church game. I gave that up a few years back. I said, no, more. I'm not doing church no more. You want to find church? There's hundreds of them. You can go down the street and find hundreds of them. Pick one. I, it, 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 I'm not going to run after anyone. You have to understand if you're serious about truth and you're serious about Monday, this is the place to be. This place to be. I can't guarantee you everybody in here thinks the way I think. I hope they have a concept, but there's going to be religious people in here. There always is. So, and then remember uh with uh, uh temptation with Jesus, and the devil takes him up and says, Hey. I can, I can give you authority, everything. I can give you everything here, everything. I can give you all the power and authority you need, you want. It's mine to give. And he said, just once, compromise once. Just, just bow down, you don't have to do it twice, just once. See, that's what the devil does. You're only going to do it once. You're only going to take it once. You're only going to steal once it doesn't work that way you're only gonna look at pornography once you're only gonna see the once you're only going. it it, it's always started with once me me drinking once drugs once it all starts with once come on we've got to learn forget the once I want to stay on this direction amen And so we have to rise up and be men and women enough to recognize that ain't what we want to compromise. We don't want to be doing that. Especially parents, we want to ingrain that into our kids because it's so easy to compromise. So easy to compromise on video games. It's so easy to compromise at school. It's so easy because, again, we're so concerned about someone liking us you all know that to be true, right? Well, your kids are going to school. Do you, you forget about what it was like? Help them. They're being bombarded with this stuff daily. Help them. Help them understand how to stand up for themselves without it, you know, becoming weird or wacko to where they're secure in what they believe. They're secure in who they are. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. And that's your responsibility as a parent. Train up a child in the way they should go. Amen? In the way they should go. By the way, that is not written in good or bad. It's written in both. In other words, no matter what, parent, you're training them. No matter what, you're training them. Let's just do it the right way. Amen? Galatians 5, 7 says this. You're running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? You were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. What what Paul's saying is, is, here you got, you're going, you're committed, you're staying faithful, but all of a sudden, you're starting to turn. All of a sudden, you're acting different. What happened? But It wasn't you determine, I don't want God anymore. You allowed a negative influence in your life. And that opened the door. That little leaven, leavened the whole lump. So you start doing what? You start doing wrong. And you know what you do? It's, it's like it's a consistent failure. It, it's not one failure. It's the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one. And it's, it, it, this is human nature. That doesn't make it a good statement. It's a bad statement. It's a sin nature that keeps you on a revolving door of failure. You don't build your life on failures. You, you don't. You build your life on a commitment to success. Yeah, you can have a trip up. You can have a, a, a failure failure in the focus of doing good, not a failure in the focus of doing bad. You don't win from that. You don't learn from that. That's a revolving door failure. So what we have to do is we have to make sure that we understand this and, and realize if I don't get help for myself, get around the people that can help me, I'm going to keep making these same mistakes. And they amplify, by the way, they amplify. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to show us a story. We're going to look at uh, uh, a guy named Ahab. Now, in the Bible, uh, we have the book of, well, the first kings and second kings and chronicles, and, and those establish all the kings of Israel and Judah. And what happened is, is we have the beginning of the kings with Saul, and then you have David, and then you have Solomon. And then what happens is Solomon, after his uh, after his death, there's a split in the kingdom between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. From that point, twelve tribes follow, uh, eleven tribes follow one, Jeroboam, and one follow Rehoboam, Judah. So that's what happens. That's the picture of the history. So you have one king over Israel until after Solomon, and then there's a split in the kingdom. And then you have Israel going one way, Judah going. They become enemies with each other and go to war against each other. It's really crazy. But Ahab is a king of Israel in this time period, and the Bible says that he was the most evil of all kings. Isn't that interesting? Most evil of all kings. I remember years ago talking about this and I made the mention that Ahab was Israel and people freaked out like what? They didn't even realize that. They didn't know Ahab was, how could this evil man that was so disgusting be a king of Israel? And that's what happens is, is we don't recognize the things that can take place in a person's life that can get them so far away from the point where they had the answer at one point. They understood the truth at one point. You're thinking, how could they get that far? And that's what evil does. It doesn't happen overnight. It sucks you in. And I believe it gets you back in a position of no return. You compromise so much that it's almost like you can't see a way out. I can tell you right now, there's always a way out. I just want you to understand, there's always a way out. But anyway, here we have this king that he marries a, a, a woman from Sidon named Jezebel. Jezebel is an evil, evil, evil woman. But Ahab and her, they get together, you know, they get along quite well. So here you have Ahab marrying this lady from another country. And again, they would do that to make sure that they had partnership with each other. Your team, my team, were together, we fought our battles together. So the problem was is she served Baal, the god Baal, and Ishar, and Asherah. And in those two gods, when Ahab married her, she brought her gods along with her. So what happened is Ahab, because he was starting already compromise, compromised even more because of the gods she served. His, his wife served. And so from that, he started allowing the different types of worships. And by the way, that's how Solomon's fall came because he married so many women. There he got older and started to turn toward their gods. And I don't know how many, we're talking, you know, a thousand women and concubine. And we're talking about, this is crazy. I mean, this is like his whole country was his wives. I mean, it's pretty bad. And I could see him getting older, like, going, forget it. I ain't fighting them all. You know, bring in your gods. I'm tired of fighting, man. Bring them in. I don't care. Worship whoever you want. You could see that happening. But the point is, is he allowed himself to get to a position where all these different gods are being served in Solomon, the wisest man ever since G- before Jesus. And now he's, he's the dumbest man on planet Earth dumb. But the point is, is he succumbed to him. Ahab has succumbed to him. And now he's compromised his life to where now Israel doesn't even serve God. They serve Baal. Isn't that crazy? They serve a whole different God now. And this is a story that we're going to get into just to see a picture of this and what the compromise has done. So we have Ahab, married Jezebel, and now Elijah is going to come on the scene. Elijah is someone that just pops in. An older guy, beard, and, you know, he's got, you know, just, he's just, like, off the street. It's not like, you know, and and Elijah grew up in a beautiful home, and his mom raised him to be a prophet of God, and his dad went to church every day. None of that's in there. It's just he comes on the scene, he goes like this. Hey, it ain't going to rain here. Until I say so. And he walks off. I mean, is that crazy? This is the beginning of Elijah, the Tishbite. We know he's from a place called Tishbite. That's a weird name, is it not? So he comes on the scene and literally goes around, looks at the, 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 the state of the nation and says, you know what? Ain't going to rain. I am stopping the rain until I say it comes back. Can you imagine what people are thinking at that point? Yeah, they're like going, the dude's weird, he looks ugly, he smells, whatever. And he just spoke it out and walked off. The problem is, is from that point, it stopped raining. I find it interesting because first and foremost, he did not say, I mean, this is all out gangster, boys. He didn't say, the Lord saith." He came on the scene and went, hey, I say no rain until I say it comes back. Can you imagine that? Now, we have pictures and stories and types of Elijah. Elijah was all that and some. To where God says, "I like you just so cool, and brings him up. No death, just brings him up on a chariot of fire. So Elijah's like this awesome guy. But can you imagine have a relationship with God so tight to where Elijah's going, ain't raining because I said so? And God's going, I got his back. I got it, that boy's, he's bold, I got his back. God ain't up there going, you didn't say my name. I'm the one that does that. No, God's like going, bring on the boldness, yo. Bring on the boldness. He's waiting for men and women of God to stand. This is what he wants. Yeah, Listen, parents, I know you connect with me more. You want that child to set them, do what you, you taught them to do. You want them to do what you, you've imparted in their lives to do the right thing. And they do it and you go, boom, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. You're all excited about it. That's our father in heaven. Did he not look at Jesus and Jesus is walking this walk. He gets in the ministry and God goes, I am well pleased with them. How? He hasn't even done anything yet. You ever thought about that? He hasn't done anything yet. Why is he well-pleased? Because from birth to 30 years old, he was a person of integrity. He was a person of his word. That's pretty powerful, huh? Not that he was doing miracles, not that he did anything. God is well-pleased because he was a son that he was proud of. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And now Elisha, he's walking bold, man. He's like walking bold in life. And then he walks off and, and the Bible says, and God took care of him during this time. And so now you have Ahab in Israel and they're losing water. The drought is going on first year, second year, going into the third year. And now they're, they're literally starting to lose things. Things are dying. There, there's no more water supplies. Everything's dried up. So you're getting down to the close to the end of the third year. And Ahab goes to Obadiah, his, his guy oversight in the kingdom, who is actually an incognito Christian. At least he, 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 he was serving Ahab, but in his heart, he was serving the Lord. Now, can that be done? Yeah, as long as you ain't crossing the line. And he probably wasn't crossing the line into ball worship, but he was serving God because he even proclaims Elijah at one point, which we'll see is, is that he hid a hundred of God's prophets that were in Israel and hid 50 in one cave and 50 in another and, were, and was feeding them through this whole time. So, yeah, he had a heart for God and heart for God's people. It's just he was in a position where this is Israel. We should be serving God. But this Ahab, he'd be marrying a Jezebel woman, and she nasty. And I can't do anything about it. She's got the influence. I don't look like her. So that's a problem. But in this picture, Ahab says, Obadiah, go this way. You got to find water. I'm going to go this way. we got to find water because I'm, my, my animals are dying. we got to find water. So Obadiah is out there. He's walking around. And he's out there traveling, trying to find water. And Elijah shows up because it's the, it's, we're done with three years. Elijah shows up. And Obadiah goes, Elijah, oh, my gosh. Elijah, is that you? And Elijah goes, it's me. I come to talk to Ahab, go tell him I'm here. Obadiah goes, uh, what? I ain't leaving. <laughs> Let's go together. And Elijah's going, no, go tell Ahab. I'll be right here. You go tell him. And he's going, no way. If I leave, God's going to take you. And then I'm going to die. He's going to cut my head off because I'm going to bring him out here. And I am go, there, He was here, I I swear, I swear he was here, and he's going to kill me. And then he even says this, and this is where I talked about the the prophets. He goes, Elijah, I have been watching out after the prophets. Come on, man, don't do this to me. You know I can't, I just can't, I've I've been serving Jesus. Please don't do this to me. And Elijah had to say, listen, I'm telling you, I'm going to be right here. So Abadai takes off. He believes him and brings back Ahab. Ahab, the first thing this guy says, you troublemaker of Israel. That's the first thing he says. Elijah, you troublemaker of Israel. And Elijah, like going, who are you talking to? I ain't in trouble. Points back at him and says, you and your family are the troublemakers of Israel. You and your family have compromised. You and your family, you are the problem. I'm not the problem. And so now we have this standoff where Elijah, he's already said, it ain't gonna rain. It hasn't rained. So now Ahab's at a position where he's like going, what am I gonna do? Can't kill the guy. Because he already said, until I say. So he already knows that he's at Elijah's mercy. And Elijah says this. He says, you know what? Gather all your prophets of Baal. Gather them all. And this is the picture I want us to see because what's going to happen is is God's going to show himself big. And there's some information that we need to see in the story that will help us understand how important it is not to allow ourselves to get that little leaven, get that little bit in us that takes us to a farther place away. We don't want that. We want to be able to continue this walk and when I talk about stuff like this, please don't read into it stuff that's not real or true to God's word. In other words, y'all are gonna sin. Y'all are gonna make mistakes. But that's not what the definition of eleven is. Definition eleven is when something is received in on purpose and then kept there on purpose. So there are times when you sin on purpose every time, unless you plain don't know. I mean, there are times when you sin, you don't even know it. Uh, I I mean, when I was early in this thing, I sinned a lot and I didn't know. That's bad. I didn't know that was bad. And then they show you, yeah, this is bad. You can't do that. I go, okay, now I know. And there are people coming to church that way all the time. They go, I didn't know. You don't have to get involved with the world system To get people focused on what's right. The word of God will get you focused on what's right. I'm telling you right now, the church is missing out on the greatest time ever. After a pandemic like that, we should be be bold and proud of this power of this love gospel. Power of God's ability to transform and change lives. And bring your broken, ugly self. God will take you on a journey that will clean you up, make you pretty. It'll take some time. We all do. Some of you have been in church for years. You still need a lot of time. You think I'm kidding? I'm not at all. I'm telling you. I went years in church and two and a half years of Bible college and needed a whole lot of changing, a whole lot of help. And you'd assume you wouldn't. Look at your journey. You've been a leader. You're a college. You got Bible college. You got, you got this and that. And you're a, you're a youth pastor and and I'm telling you, there's a point in time where all of that was nonsense because the information I had wasn't jiving with what God wanted to be done in people's lives. It was information. Now, I'm not saying everything at Bible College is bad. I make this statement all the time. Most of it was, but not all of it was. Amen. Not all of it was. I, 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 I got a lot of good information especially when it came to breaking down Hebrew and Greek and stuff like that. So there's some good stuff about it. But again, most of it, nah, uh, rarely. I'd say 90, 98% of everything I learned didn't help me at all start a church. So yeah, for the thousands of debt. Okay, moving right along. So here we have three leaders. The drought is, is in the position where Elijah's coming on the city saying, okay, now we're going to make changes. So he goes to Ahab and says, "Ahab, get your prophets. Get Jezebel's prophets. Get them all together. Eight hundred prophets. Eight hundred prophets are going to come. Now this is interesting because you got four hundred of Asher and four hundred fifty Baal. Very important to understand that four hundred Asher, four hundred fifty Baal. And that's so important to understand is because." he mentions them all, but one's going to be singled out. Okay. Y'all ready? First Kings 18, verse one. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said, Elijah, go and present yourself to the king of Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. I told you about Obadiah. We need to find water. They divided the land between them. Ahab went one way. Obadiah went the other way. Elijah comes on the scene. Obadiah is talking to Elijah, realizes, okay, um, I need to make sure you're not going to leave when I go. He gets that clarity. He goes, brings Ahab. And so now we have the communication between the two. And we're verse 16. When Ahab, verse 17, when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Elijah says, I've made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. For you refuse to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshiped the images of Baal and stuff. You have decided to worship Baal instead of the Lord. You ready? Now summon Israel to join me along with the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asher, supported by Jezebel. All right? The problem that we see is, is Elijah is going to focus in on the prophets of Baal, but not the prophets of Asher. And that's very important to understand because it is a picture or a type that we need to look at and understand correctly as followers of Jesus. The reason why Elijah is going to look at them in a different light than this group, they're both wrong. But the prophets of Asher, the goddess Asher, never believed in God. They never had this connection, nor did they try to say she was in the position of a God of Israel. They never did. But the prophets of Baal were all used to be prophets of God. And these prophets of God compromised and went totally to Baal. Now, pay attention, because we have Elijah, again, he's communicating not only his position as a prophet of God, but he's a mouthpiece of God. So he's literally showing us the will of God in this picture. So he brings all of them together, as in, it's all bad, but then he separates them and says, but these ones are the ones I'm going to deal with. See, this is a problem with Christianity, or the religious concept of Christianity, we're very known for being judgmental especially against each other this is the ugly ugly picture of religion the christian faith it's so gross I'm not talking about true followers of jesus i'm talking about the picture of the religious christian faith and so again when people say i hate church i say so do i and it opens the door to great ability to communicate to someone because they're expecting you to go why how come how could you hate church and when you're, when you're connecting with them, going, I wouldn't want to go to church either. And they're like freaking out. And you say, well, come and find out. You know, if you hate it, then, then you can hate it. But again, the thing is, is we have to look at this stuff and pay attention to it because it'll help us. It'll help us understand what God is trying to do and what he wants to reveal to us. So Elijah says, these 450 prophets of Baal, that's who I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with these guys. And again, Scripture backs this up over and over and over. God's not, Jesus, again, hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with the goddess of Asher people. He ain't hanging around with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's not eating dinner with them. What would that look like? It'd be, it'd be you looking, you hanging out um, at Taco Bell with, with the gangbangers in your neighborhood, and then the Lord and the Word of God and people that follow Jesus correctly would go, Good job, my man. Good job. Good job. Good job. Or you hanging out at Taco Bell, a bunch of religious people, all you're doing is gossiping and trashing your pastor and your church and everybody else's church. Guarantee you, God ain't in that conversation. He's not even nowhere near you guys. That's the picture. Y'all got that? Okay. So that's the picture we need to see. God knows who to correct. Amen. Amen. Okay. So verse 20 in uh, chapter 18, 1 Kings, he says, Ahab summoned all the people of Israel to Mount Carmel. Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver? How much longer are you going to compromise? Hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were completely silent. And that's usually a position of compromise. When information comes up, you can't say much. Because it's like anytime you bring up the Lord or God, it's not, you don't, it's not like you want to be in this position. You're in this position. So they're like, and I guarantee you, most of the people, not the prophets of Baal, but most of the people are standing there and go, isn't Baal our God? Because, see, again, the, remember Moses came down off the mountain after the Ten Commandments? and they, had the, 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 they made that golden calf, and Aaron, uh, Moses' brother, says, here is your God of Israel, and it was that calf, that golden calf, and Israel was just worshiping that. What they were doing is they were picturing the other nations, how they worship their God, and they were doing the same thing. It's just human nature, and they wanted to be the same way. They do it this way. We want to do it this way. And Moses comes on the scene. He's like going, no, 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 no. And throws the Ten Commandments down, you know, and, and, and just it, it's a bad time, bad time. But the point is, is they thought that was a good thing to do. This is God. They're led by leaders that did that. And so this same picture, I guarantee you, the people of Israel, they're just following the leadership, and the leadership's, no, ball. this is your, our God, Baal. And so they're just doing it now. Why? Because that's how most of the Christian faith operates. We're just following, 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 but we're not knowing the truth. And we need to know the truth because it's the knowledge and application of the knowledge of that truth would set you free. And that's what we want. That's what Jesus said, I've come to set you free. But then he shares how's freedom come. Hearing the word, and applying the word. That's when freedom comes. Not having opinions, not having religious ideologies. You'll never get freedom that way. You'll get works and legalism, but not freedom. Okay. So here we have this picture where now Elijah's standing there. You got 800 prophets and all the people of Israel standing around. And Elijah says, bring two bulls. We're going to sacrifice them. So he says, you guys get your bull together. I'll get my bull you go first, and that's what he said, go first. This is about six in the morning. So they're getting their bull, cutting it up, putting on their altar, and again, remember, the, the contest is this, whoever brings fire down on the sacrifice is the true God, all right? Baal worshipers transform themselves, compromise too, away from God. They're now believing Baal is God trying to get fire to come down to their sacrifice, to prove their point. So Elijah says, ready, set, go. And they start doing their thing. Ball, 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 worship you, ball, ball. Fire, ball, bring down fire, ball ball, 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 ball. Ball, 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 ball. And they're just going on. Ball, ball, ball. Now think about this, not just one guy, hundreds and hundreds are screaming, ball, ball, we worship you, ball, show yourself, ball, ball, we worship you. Nothing's happening. Hour. Two hours. Three hours. Ball, 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 ball. ball. Five hours. Ball! <laughs> ball! Ah. six hours, six hours, nada, nothing, nothing's happening, six hours of screaming, ball ain't listening, Elijah, see, this is what I want to, these are things when I get to heaven, I've got a list of things that I want, I either want him to tell me the whole story, and, and act it out, because, I want, oh, you don't know how there's so many stories I want to see. But so I have these pictures because I love the picture, all this stuff. So I started looking at Elijah and I'm thinking, dude, th- he's so bold. And he already makes comments that I already know. And I'm sure some of you already know that you're like going, oh, how awesome is he? Because he starts talking trash. Maybe you ain't yelling loud enough. I mean just going off on him. Maybe he went on vacation, didn't tell you guys. No, no, he throws down this. Maybe he's on the toilet. He's too busy to get off the toilet. I want to be Elijah so bad. But what happens is, is nothing, nothing happens. And they're going hours after hours after hours, yelling, screaming. Then they get to a place where yelling don't work, dancing don't work. We'll start cutting ourselves. They start, the Bible says, they start taking knives and just cutting them and blood's flowing. When you gotta bleed for your God, he ain't the right God. Know what I'm saying? He ain't the right God. So they cut themselves and they start cutting themselves and blood's flowing and they're dancing and they're screaming there ain't no word, nothing from their God. You see, there has never been a word from their God. There has never been a show of force, a show of strength. There's never been a connection, a relationship. There's just been a religious action on their part toward nothing. Not something out there, nothing. But their belief has been compromised so much that they believe it to be true. Come on, when you get compromised so much, you get off in an area where you believe the life you live is the real one and it actually isn't. You've deceived yourself and they're deceived. And Elijah says, enough's enough. It's now about seven o'clock at night so they've been going at this for over 12 hours, nothing. He comes on a scene, gets to his place, builds his altar, puts the bull on his altar, and then he says this, put water on it. So, you know, they're like going, what? This is like crazy. Why would you waste water? You're in a drought. And they start dumping water. He goes, do it again. Dump it. And he says, no, not, not, not on the ground. I want everything wet. I don't want you to think I'm gonna flick my bick or you know throw a match on there. I want everything wet. They water's flowing all over this thing. And then Elijah looks up to God and says, God, make it rain. <laughs> he looks up to God and says, Bring down the fire. Bring down the fire, God. Show them that I serve. The one true God. Show them who God is. And all of a sudden, blows up fire. The Bible says it came down on the bowl and just disintegrated it. Went to the wood, disintegrated it. Went to the stone, disintegrated it. Went to the water, it licked it all up till nothing was there. And that's what God did. Showed himself strong. And everybody went, ah, there is God. And I all bowed to him. All fell down and said, God is the one true. Ball worshipers. Oh, it is God. It is God. And then what happens? Elijah says, oh, no, 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 no. See, you had your chance when you're going, ball, ball, ball. After about 30 minutes, some of you should have went, ball, 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 ball. ball. I never believed them, Elijah. I don't even know why they're there. I know I would have done. The moment nothing was happening, I would have slinked right over. I would have got in with, goddess Asher, goddess Asher, I'm with her. But they didn't. Elijah says, take them down to the book, brook Kendrith. And they kill 450. Elijah just kills them all, 450 of them, but not the other ones. Isn't that interesting? Why? They didn't know better, but they do now. Guarantee you that 400 were like going, oh, there's God. There's the true God. Oh, yeah, there he is. Okay, we know this one. The goddess hasn't done nothing for us. I just want you to make, you know, she hasn't done nothing. Nothing at all, nothing at all. That's real God right there. And so that is the picture. And what's so important to understand is, is, is what happened. Israel went to that place in such, so far away from the true God. To where God brought Elijah on the scene to help them recover. Jesus clarifies it really good in Mark chapter 8. This is after Peter tells Jesus, You don't have to go to the cross you don't have to do this. And I just want you to know, we're going to, it's going to be done something different. It ain't working that way. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So he'd be casting out, you know, the devil out of Satan, out of Peter's mouth. Peter's speaking out of the heart that he feels is good intentions, but the enemy's using that. Are you guys hearing me? It's so important to understand that. Satan was not, I mean, Peter was not demonized by the devil. He wasn't possessed by the devil the devil was able to get a thought into his heart because Peter's always sticking his foot in his mouth. So the devil's like going, I can tell him anything. He's going to say it. And that's what happened. Because Peter, do I believe Peter meant everything? Yeah, hundred percent. And I believe a lot of Christians blow it, but they're speaking out of their heart. They just don't know better. So grace has to be shown. We have to show mercy in that area. They have to grow up. People have to grow up. I have to grow up. I'm still growing up. But the thing is, we can't just come down, bam, because you said something stupid. So Jesus says, Satan, get out of this. He didn't say, Peter, you demon-possessed boy. Come out of Peter. He didn't do that. He talked to Satan. And then we're at this place right now. And he called the people to himself and his disciples also. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Denying self is not the same as self-denial. Understand that. It's something important to understand because a lot of times we believe that following Jesus is, I won't do this and I'll stop eating pork chops and I won't do this and I'll stop doing it. And and, and that's self-denial. But, and there are occasions when you're doing that because it's the right thing to do. I, I, I'll stop doing sugar. I'll stop, you know, cut down on carbs, but that's not getting closer to Jesus. I mean, I'm, there's even scripture that talks about vegetarians and how people think they, they become closer to God because they don't eat meat. And when, if you really read the Bible, you'd see that you don't eat meat. You're immature in your faith. That's what the Bible teaches not for us to use that against you because you might not need to eat meat. You might not want to eat meat. So what? That's fine. But don't try to twist it like you're more spiritual because you're not at all. You're more immature in the faith. Why? Because God's saying in the position of faith, you can do whatever you want. You can eat a pork chop if you want it. Not saying it's good for you, or, or it might be, but the point is, is that's not the point. The point is, is God doesn't want you in bondage. He wants you in wisdom. Let me say it again. God doesn't want you in bondage. He wants you in wisdom. And you'd know that if you came on Wednesday nights, but anyway. So we practice self-denial when we say, I want to stop doing that. But that doesn't get you closer to God. That's all I'm saying. Denying self means you get closer to Jesus by obeying. Denying self is saying, you know what? Instead of me doing it always this way, I'm going to do it this way today. Instead of me always wanting first, me first, I'm going to put God first today. That's, that's how you deny yourself. It's not, I'm going to fast for 20 days. I'm going to read the Bible for three hours. You haven't read the Bible for five minutes in the past month and now you're gonna to commit to three hours a day, you are gonna fall flat on your face. You are gonna, I'm telling you right now, I've been there, done that. I don't play those games anymore. You wanna pray an hour? Good for you. Good for you, that's all you're gonna get. Good for you. But if you wanna make it legalistic, like that makes you more spiritual, you're wrong. You're wrong. I, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you what makes you more spiritual. You don't have any time limit at all. You just talk to God like he's your buddy. And it's whenever and all day. There ain't no segmented time of, I'm going to get spiritual. I get spiritual when I wake up and go, good morning, God. I'm so glad that me and you are connected together because this is the day you made for me. Doesn't that make me special? That's how I talk to God, just like that. I am so special. You made this day. I believe you made it for me. And I believe I am well-pleasing in your sight. The point is, is unashamed that my talk with the Lord, because I do it, I just do it. There is no, make sure you pray, make sure you do. If you understand prayer right, you understand it's communication with God, and even understand the Greek language and communication with God, it's communication God in different ways. Like, God, I could really use your help, or God, help me! or God, help them, (laughs) or God, this is ridiculous. Do something. I know it's my point, but I just wanna say it. That's my prayer. And guess what? It lines up 100% with what's in scripture. But because of religious ideology, we create prayer into something that it isn't. It's the different ways you communicate and the different feelings, different emotions, and different understandings of the situation you're at. In other words, if you're going to communicate something to someone, you're going to communicate it according to the situation. We want to do church right, and doing church right is life. And it's by this truth. It's by understanding that, hey, I don't want to get caught up in Ahab life. I don't want Elijah showing up on my door. I want to see the wrong, recognize it, and move forward. It's homo legeo, say the same thing. That's it. When you sin, confess, homo legeo, that you have sinned. Say the same thing, and you're forgiven. washed clean. What God is saying is this, is when you do wrong, just say you've done wrong. When you sin, just say you sin. sinned. I'm telling you, that's what I impart into my boys. Say it. You don't understand, holding it in, trying to w- water it down, trying to fix it. There's greater consequences. Just get it out and we can move on. And I started very young with them to understand that point. Three, four years old, I got them to get hold of this quickly. And I'm telling you, my boys operate in a level, and I've said this many times, that when they do something wrong, sometimes I wanna drag it out because man, I did a good job in this area. Because you're like going, okay, let's deal with it. It's done, it's over with. And they're like, going, okay, cool, let's go. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that was quick. Are you are you jumping and skipping now. That was pretty bad what you did. No, I don't do that, but in my head I'm doing that. Did they get it? I, they, they got over it pretty quick. I mean, <laughs> that's just my past training. I've learned you got to spend three years paying for something you did wrong. Anybody brought up that way? Where, I mean, I remember going home after, you know, 15 years and they're going, remember when you did this? What? But I did, I trained my, because I didn't train them subconsciously, I trained them consciously. I didn't train them the way I was brought up, I trained them the way I believe God's word was telling me to do it. And I'm telling you, it's it's, it's an amazing picture because they can get over that. It doesn't mean that they won't have challenges of failure or, you know, the battles of, oh man, I screwed up again. And I talk to them about that. It's going to be there. It's the enemy wants to keep you down. That's it. Not God, the enemy. If you do bad, it's not God. If you sin, it's not God. It's the enemy trying to keep you there. God already knows you're going to do it. He's already known all the time. Our point is to understand he knows and get on his side. And that's it. All right, saying the same thing. I blew it. That was sin. My bad. Okay, shouldn't have done it. Let's move forward. And God's going, cool, let's go. Let's go. Amen. That is the, the God of the Bible. That is the Jesus I know. If you don't know that, you can know it now. Jesus wants to be your Lord and Savior. And all you have to do is call on his name. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I call on your name and I ask you, to come into my life, and to set me free. I believe in you, Jesus. I receive you, and I thank you for coming to my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer the first time in here, you can raise your hand. I have something for you. Praying for out there, I have something for you too. Just contact us. Love you guys. Be blessed. See ya.